You're listening to the Inverse Podcast, where we explore how the scriptures can turn our world upside down, or how it can be weaponized to uphold the status quo. I'm Drew Hart, and I'm Jared McKenna, and this is Inverse. So, my dear friend Lysander, Masanda mm. uh, Meshua, how did I do? Excellent. That was excellent, Jared. 70%. I know, man. I'll take it. 70 is 70 a pass? I'll take it. Was born in East London in the Eastern Cape. Uh, And for those of us not from that uh, southern tip of the African continent, that's in South Africa. Uh, She's a graduate of a national diploma in fine arts from Nelson Mandela uh, Metropolitan University in Port Elizabeth. She has worked as a campus pastor for seven years now. She also works as a creative arts pastor and songwriter and is a phenomenal worship leader, my goodness. Um, Her interests are fine arts, social commentary, um, uh, using the arts, history, social justice and worship. She works as a creative content producer and speaker for RZIM Africa. Lysander and McClatsy live in Cape Town with their three little girls who are gorgeous. And Lysander, their names are? Maisha, Amani and Rory Sang. Oh, beautiful. Well, we're so glad you're joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that intro. It's good to be with everybody else. Hi, guys. Hey, how you doing? And I would like to also introduce uh, Luke Norsworthy. Let me say it again. I would like to introduce Luke Norsworthy. 70% Uh, true. 70%. (laughs) 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 Luke has an MDiv from Abilene Christian University. Um, He's the senior minister of Westover Hills of Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. He's a frequent speaker at universities, retreats, and conferences. He is the host of the popular Newsworthy with Newsworthy podcasts and the author of God Over Good. And I might as well just give this little reference a point. This was from Michael B. Curry from the Episcopal Church. He said, thanks to (laughs) author Luke for giving us a great gift indeed by showing how we can face our fears, overcome the monsters that threaten us, and move forward into a life of virtue and vitality, a deeper, healthier life. And lastly... Uh, I think he actually said that at the royal wedding, right? Like, that's... <laughs> it must have been directly at that that's moment, beautiful. right? Mm-hmm. And finally, he has one thing that he's, he's been hiding from his family and friends, but he wants to come out <laughs> as an Eagles fan no. um, today. So we're, we're really no. excited about, about God's <laughs> deliverance in his life as well, in that area of his life. We will Confession is the right to healing. <laughs> I West Philadelphia. I was born and raised on the playground. I spent most of my days, but got one little fight and ended up in Texas, and uh, that's where my loyalties are now to the kingdom and of God and the kingdom Luke, of Texas. For those who don't know Luke well, he uses that joke all the time. Like all the, that's his that's his standard intro when he's preaching. Is a little you bit of sad? footprints. Is I've used that for years and it's gotten worse and worse. Like as the uh, as people get younger and younger, like use it at university, and people are now just like, "What is he talking about?" I'm like, "What is wrong with this generation? That's Fresh Prince. You should get that. It's a good joke." Yeah, well, oh, part, part of wow, me discipling. <laughs> <laughs> the son is just like, "Wait, I don't what know is my world? generation?" 
<laughs> okay, we'll come back to um, making fun of yeah. uh, Luke in just a second. Um, but uh, I mean, another thing to mention f- for Luke is that um, his uh, beloved podcast, um, Newsworthy with Norsworthy, is where many will know him from as well. Um, but last and certainly not least, um, Maklatsi Mushua uh, is the director of RZIM Zacharias Trust in South Africa. He grew up in the, and <laughs> yeah. I'm clearly not South African. Uh, um, so <laughs> is it um, Bushback Ridge? That's right. Yes, Bushback Ridge. And, and the province is? Mpumalanga. Mpumalanga. Mpumalanga, yes, where the sun comes from. All right. Wow, be- beautiful. Uh, within a household that pra- practice ancestralism, a traditional African religion. He came to know Jesus early in his life when he had a miraculous encounter during a visit uh, to his vi- visit by an itinerant missionaries. He went out to study biochemistry at the U- uh, University of uh, Koa Zulu uh, Natal. I butchered that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Luke. Yeah, are, are you? You might be reading a different bio as well. I'm trying to recognize. And more recently, I'm just I'm just going to ride straight through it, McClancy. I'll, I'll just keep going. And more recently, apologetics at the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics. Uh, he served as a pastor at a church in Durban for seven years where he was also involved with training the congregation in, in evangelism and discipleship. He read, regularly speaks evangelistically in many different contexts, including, including rural villages, townships, university campuses. McClatsy is married to Lysander. They live in Durban and they have three beautiful children and is a phenomenal preacher, like a, an amazing exegete. So I'm so pleased to have you lot on with us. Unfortunately, that's all our time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's good, great. That's good to meet you. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> I, should have also, I should have also mentioned that Luke has three girls. I don't know if, Luke, you want to introduce your girls' names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. um, yes, uh, my oldest daughter is named Avery. She's 11. Adeline is my middle daughter. She's eight. And our youngest daughter is Audrey, and she is six years old. Mm, Thank you. So good. Oh, and Drew, wow. tell us about um, Vincent... Micah and Dietrich, which yeah, like. so clearly yeah. your wife greenlit all those names that you chose. <laughs> yes, yes. No, not all. These are the only names that made it through the fire, but uh, right. there are other ones. <laughs> give, give, us the t- give us the last two that didn't make it through the fire. Um, actually, one which I really liked was Desmond. That didn't oh. make yes. it. Yeah, although we, I we think, talked Desmond as well. Yeah, I think there was some regret on my wife's end. Um, but because um, I think she she liked it after the fact, but she didn't like it initially. And then uh, what was another? I can't remember all the other. But that was the uh, the last big one. It was between Vincent and Desmond, and we went with Vincent um, after Vincent Harding. So he's our youngest child. Yeah. He's three. Our oldest child is Micah after the prophets, and our youngest our middle child is Dietrich after Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's powerful! Wow, it's so uh, great. We we talked about Vincent uh, both for Vincent Harding and Vincent Lignari, um, but Cat was wow. like, in Australia, he'll get Vinny the whole time. Which, we, uh, <laughs> we've decided that Vinny's like, not on the table. We will not let people call him Vinny. <laughs> well, I There's mean, in Australia, Vin- you just won't have an option. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Vinny from Philly. Yeah. So we've got a Winnie. So I'd like to have a Vinny as well. Um, maybe I'll go through my, I, I have Tyson who's now 23. Uh, he's six foot five, tall, yeah. dark, handsome, clearly has different DNA than me. Um, <laughs> um, uh, there's uh, Winston who's 12, uh, Hugo who's 10. And in, um, on the 6th, uh, if everything goes yeah. to plan, um, we will have baby, insert name here, Jared's not allowed to tell if he wants to stay married to Cat. name isn't to be shared at the moment. But oh. soon, dear listeners, um, uh, mm. there is a, a beautiful baby boy on the oh. way. Which kind of brings us to the passage. Did we have somebody who wanted to read the passage? We did have the Maklata um, was going to Yes, I was nominated by by <laughs> someone. <laughs> Somebody kindly volunteered you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> can, I, can I read? Yes, oh, please, yeah. I'm reading from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9 from the ESV. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Mm. Thanks be to God. This is the word mm. of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. <laughs> um, usually what we do is we give a chance for people to open up their own first encounter with Scripture. Uh, I'm aware with uh, a number of us that we want, might want to keep it more, uh, more elegant um, uh, than usual, but who would like to kick us off? When do you remember being introduced to the scriptures? Uh, I'll go first. I, I, yeah. I, I grew up in a home in which um, uh, the way of Jesus was the way that we decided to, to live. And mm. so being a part of church was part of my experience from as uh, early as I can remember. But for me, the formative experience in my life that really changed who I was and kind of like turned this into my own experience was when I was around 14 or 15. Uh, I was a sophomore in high school and I don't know why or, or how it started, but I started reading my Bible every day. And as trite as it sounds, I read my Bible every day and it changed who I was. And there was like a, a stark difference night and day from before that and then after it. And it, uh, it, it was the singular spiritual, for, like, spiritual practice that uh, altered the shape of my life. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. I don't think that's trite, man. That's a testimony. Well, I'm just saying, like, I read my Bible and it changed me. Like, it's, it's kind of like the go-to, <laughs> but it's still true for me. Yeah. May, maybe in your circles, it, it's, it's great, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's really lovely. And, and Luke, I'm curious. So as you think about those early encounters with Scripture, was it something that turned your world upside down or was it used to prop the world up as it is? I think Scripture has continued to... Uh, made me reorient myself to a new way of living, to a new way of life. And as a you know, 15-year-old kid, it was 
you know, staying away from the vices that everyone as a 50 year old knows that you shouldn't do. Um, but as I continue to get older, I find that there are times that it comforts me when I'm uh, uncomfortable and there are times that it upsets me when I feel very comfortable. And it has this uh, <coughs> disarming uh, quality about it in times when I am overwhelmed and then times when I'm far too comfortable, it, uh, it, it turns me upside down. So I'd say it does both of those. Um, if I had to pick one though, I think more than anything, it, it, it pulls me a part of what I want to be comfortable with and it invites mm. me and ushers me into uh, a, a new way of seeing existence in life, what Jesus would call the kingdom of God. It, it pulls me away mm. from my own kingdom, my own mm. world, what, what's comfortable, mm. what's easy for me. And mm. yeah. Would you, I mean, just going along with that, I mean, would you, I'm guess I'm wondering like, was the, as the scriptures were being shared with you, um, was it presented in a way, was it taught in a way, were you encountering it initially in a way that it was, it did have like a liberative reading to it um, and, and liberative interpretations or like how, I'm just kind of curious what those early encounters with the scripture were for you in that sense. Yeah, no, I think it, I'm, I'm very grateful for the world that I was born into. And I'm grateful for the religious community that raised me and yeah. I, I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And so I mm. ha- have nothing but gratitude for that. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, I would say that the majority of my early formative years, uh, scripture was used as something to make you moral, uh, to make you believe, you know, Jesus is the son of God, uh, to have this sort of, like, I don't want to call it like, therapeutic moral deism, which is a phrase that some have thrown around, but it was far closer to that than to something that called me to be a part of the redemption of all things and Mm -hmm. to have justice, you know, flow like this mighty river. Like that came on later. And I, I also inherited that from people in my religious tradition, but it wasn't early on. It was something I experienced more undergrad and then in seminary. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. McClutzy, uh, I'm aware even in your bio, you uh, chose to include um, uh, h- how you came to faith and the fact that um, ancestral practices were uh, um, what animated um, the place that you grew up in. Uh, what, Looking back on that, what were your first encounters with scripture and what kind of impact did they have? So the early, the early encounter with scripture, the first encounter with the scriptures for me was, was quite a, um, a mixed uh, experience. Uh, <laughs> at first, I, I, um, so the reason why I, was, I even got interested in, in, in the Bible, uh, because I grew up in a family that, like I said, practiced ancestralism, which is a form of uh, an African traditional religion. Yeah. And so quite different, not a Christian context at all. And uh, I, I won't go into details, but I had a very significant experience where somebody who was praying for me said something that I'd never heard before being used in that way. Mm-hmm. They put their hands on me and said, um, by the power of Jesus. Uh, and when they said Jesus, there was, I mean, we, we, we had grown up uh, using that, that, that word in songs. Um, so in preschool, I was seven years old at this time, and we'd use the name in songs because some of the missionaries who had come through my area in the rural, it was a rural area, had sort of planted uh, churches and had uh, started schools, but they had long since left, uh, leaving buildings and uh, rituals and customs that people 
didn't really understand uh, that were disconnected from probably the original uh, intent and purpose of the missionaries. So we had the songs. And Jesus was, an, was, was not even, I would say, an entity in my mind until mm. that day, that experience that I had when somebody was praying for me. And so I began a journey searching, asking people who or what is Jesus. And for several years, no, the best answer I got was he's associated with the church. <laughs> and and that was the best answer that he's associated with but, the but other than so that he's great <laughs> well no, yeah I'm absolutely kidding. so, so <laughs> well thanks uh, that's yeah yeah that, that's adding uh, a lot more to my theology at the time and uh, and <laughs> yeah. but what, what i did understand though is that i was i was quite hungry to to understand that uh that name uh what it meant because it was a powerful encounter mm. And um, when my dad decided to send me to a, near, near, a near, um, nearby town to go and, and study there, uh, to, to continue my schooling there, I, I lived with a family, a Christian family. And uh, when I found out that they, they were going to church, I then started to ask them to please explain to me who Jesus was. And mm-hmm. my teacher at the time, who also happened to be my English teacher, came, uh, you know, left the room, came back and said to me, look, there are two things that you said you wanted to learn. One was English and the other one was uh, who Jesus is. Mm. I'm going to give you this, uh, this book and you can read about it. Uh, it will teach you English and it will uh, tell you who Jesus uh, is. And uh, she said, but I won't tell you <laughs> where the Jesus part is and you're going to have to read it from, from the beginning. And uh, my English was very, very, very bad because it was the first time I was studying and learning anything in English. I'd uh, done different languages, but not English. Uh, but also, as you can imagine, it was a slow, a slow journey towards <laughs> getting to the Jesus part. However, something incredible happened because in reading the, the Old Testament, I, I found my world uh, really huh. explained. I, I knew who Pharaoh's magicians were. Uh, in in my own context, so it wasn't very difficult to uh, to to understand, you know, Moses throwing his stuff and uh, the magicians doing the same, and this uh, you know the snake uh, Moses snake uh, swallowing the others. That was my world growing up. Right. Yeah. And so the God that I'd been hungry for to meet um, suddenly exploded into my world and fascinated me. But then something happened. Uh, I began to develop this narrative somehow that there were God's people and there were the others. And as I began, as I continued to read the, the Old Testament, uh, I began to, to, to suspect and then later on have the conviction that I was part of the others, not God's mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. I, I, I developed this hunger and this uh, passion to get this answer to the question, uh, how do I become part of God's people? And it took me about a year through the help of my English teacher and the local librarian, an uh, amazing lady who between them every single day helped me to get uh, at least, uh, you know, a part of my Bible read and they would explain it to me. And eventually when I did get to the Jesus part, and I remember how it just clicked in every fiber of my being that Jesus was wow. the way, the provision of God for me to become part of God's people. I mean, that was my first initial understanding of who Jesus Christ is. 
Yeah, well, that's really powerful. And even more so um, being in a collectivist culture where um, it's not an individual, but being part of a people is everything. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And it, 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 it was a mixed experience because in a way it explained my world, in a way it grew my world. But it also uh, got me in trouble um, because it, it, a lot of the things that we did as a family, I found on the wrong side of the scriptures early on. And so, and so I found myself at, at odds with the certain uh, scriptures, um, at least my understanding of them at the time. And, uh, but uh, most importantly, I just couldn't fit uh, some of my experiences within the biblical framework. I, I struggled then to try and understand and reinterpret my experiences. And so when eventually I was able to uh, have a conversation with some Christians about them, it led me to further uh, have this conflict with the scriptures because um, the things that some people had warned me about, that, uh, I, uh, that the, the, the Christian scriptures would put me at odds with my African identity, all of a sudden started to become a reality. When I explained to a Christian, for instance, that you know my grandmother passed away when I was two years old, but I continued to have a relationship with her uh, through a, a um, for the purpose of this, I'd say a medium, uh, somebody who could be possessed by her, her spirit. And uh, I said for several years, and so I said, I'm struggling to understand this within, within the scriptures. Explain to me how to understand this experience. And this Christian didn't explain very much and just said, oh, that's easy. That wasn't your grandmother. That was a demon. And, uh, and I was deeply, deeply, deeply offended. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I went away and I came back uh, just because there was another question that was burning in my heart. Uh, ancestralism uh, explains what happens to people when they die, where they go. And so in this, all of a sudden, I found myself with a lot of gaps uh, to some of the most meaningful things in my heart. And so when I came back, I said, well, if that wasn't my grandmother, where was my grandmother? And this Christian, you know, didn't take long to say, well, if, you know, uh, she believed what you believed before you became a Christian, it's quite clear that your grandmother is in hell. And so that began a different kind of relationship uh, with the scriptures. But the one thing I could not deny was this life-changing power and presence of Jesus Christ that I had experienced, that I continued to experience. And so even though I was in conflict with the the outside story and the interpretation of my experience, but the one thing I could never uh, deny that I had such a powerful experience I could never get away from was that God is real, that Jesus is real, and that He was. It was it, it, Jesus was this gift that was given to me. Mm. I, f- I feel like you've just given us a preview of a follow-up episode because I mean that is so rich, and I, I know we've talked about. Um, uh, decolonizing our faith and what uh, an expression of, uh, you know, uh, Christianity was African ever before it was European. Uh, but what does that look like for all of us to relate to um, our, our mm-hmm. stories and our lineages mm-hmm. in ways that um, uh, don't reject but do redeem? Um, so I, I, I would love to do that with, and I know we've talked about that in the past, so let's let's do that sometime. Um, that'd be wonderful. Um if Jared doesn't do that, 
You can come on my podcast and I'll ask those questions. Because <laughs> I've got a ton of them already. Yeah. I'm so fascinated. Yeah, we should do both. We should do both. You should do that. Like, um, that would be, that would be really exciting. Um, I'll bring the popcorn. Can I just ask uh, one question, though? Like, how's your relationship with your family now? Yeah, it's very good. Um, I think the the truth of the gospel really uh, burnt like wildfire. Wow. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a smooth road. My, my mother became a Christian, uh, shortly after that experience and, uh, the rest of my family as well. I think the, the conflict, uh, initially was between myself and my dad just to try and understand, like I said, when I was wrestling with my, how my faith and my African identity relate to, to one another and my, uh, and our culture, as well, because uh, one of the things that we we always said was that we don't uh, we don't we don't regard it as a religion. And so many Africans, for instance, if you had asked them, like myself, if you had said, "What's your religion?" they would have said, uh, "We're Christian." And but if you ask a second question, uh, what, you know, what do you what, what do you practice your culture? And if they said yes, that's the primary worldview. Uh, that's the source of uh, uh, faith, and that's where they live from. And so Christianity might be adapted for for, for cultural or uh, political uh, reasons in that case. So, but our relationship uh, has grown, has certainly improved uh, from having put me putting me at odds with my family, because this was an important part of who uh, or our identity and and as a as a as a family, and uh, particularly also because. Uh, there's in the source of the conflict was also because I uh, being so young and not having uh, people to, to walk that journey with me. I was, uh, I was quite uh, reckless in the way I communicated my faith uh, mm. from a place of a little, very little uh, understanding and, and, and wisdom. I just knew my conviction and I didn't know how to, 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 to have a, a, a discourse about culture from that point. Mm. Well, Luke understands that he's from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, cheap shot, cheap shot. Mm-hmm. No comment. Uh, Lysandra, for, for you, um, we have done a, an episode in the past that's yeah. yet to be uh, released, but I, I love your story of how you came yeah. to encounter the scriptures. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, just because I think we've had this conversation before, but uh, so for me, my first encounter with scripture, I mean, I'll honestly say that the most fondest memory I have is, is my grandmother teaching Mm. me how to read the Bible Mm. and um, the way that uh, she just made the book come alive. She made such an effort to teach me um, songs that taught about Jesus and what wow. he wanted to do in the person's life. My grandmother, um, I mean, it was, okay, I, I don't think I, I said this last time, but I remember how, like, even if Jehovah's Witnesses would come to our door, my grandmother would take everything because they had pictures in there. <laughs> she would teach me things and see, you know and she would leave out you know take out all the meat and spit out all the bones <laughs> she, would just, <laughs> she, would, she, she would use everything to just 
put together this picture of who God was and how much Jesus loved me. And I mm. remember that the first song that I, I, I learned and I actually felt like I enjoyed as a child that my, my, that I learned was Jesus loves me. And that was from my grandmother. Amen. She was a praying woman. She loved the Bible and she made it come alive. And it was in, in an interesting contrast to, um, well, I had grown up in a, in a, in a, in a family that had practiced method, Methodist uh, spirituality. Um, and the, the practice though, if, if you remember where I, where I was immersed as a young child is that we lived in a township which is um, mm. kind of uh, like, a, it's, a, it's a peri-urban environment. I'm sure you have communities like that in the States as well, where they're in the city, but they're on the outskirts of the city. So you're, you're, you're working, your working class um, black uh, communities would live in townships. And so that's where we were immersed. And my father was also very politically conscious and active. He was an incredibly um, intelligent, um, very uh, gentle, and and he was listening man. He was so well-respected. And um, so the way that he held his faith was that um, he really struggled with the idea of being born again in that you, you give away, you give up so much, right? And, and I think it also spoke to the way in which the gospel was used at that time by the oppressive apartheid regime to kind of pacify and, um, and silence subservient black communities or, or black, or black uh, Christian adherents to this, you know, mm. to this type of theology. And so uh, wow. I think his response was, was an aversion to that sense of surrender everything because there were some portions of scripture that wouldn't be used correctly by the same community towards their Christian brothers and sisters. And so he Ooh. really struggled with, with my dad, yeah. with my grandmother's type of surrender. But it was, it was so funny because I could see that, there's something alive happening here in my grandmother's life. And uh, obviously I didn't have all of the political um, analysis and, and insight that I have now. And I, I conscientized much later on because I think for my father, the promise for him was that they could build a better world where their kids could just exist as humans as opposed to those yeah. blacks over there or those whites over there. But he just wanted me to have opportunity. So um, I didn't get a, uh, or let me say, I, I was not fully aware of what was happening. But um, so my grandmother's faith was, 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 there was something alive there. And it's only actually later on that I came to appreciate my father's journey as opposed to say, oh, well, therefore all Methodism is whatever, right? Um, I, I, mm. I only later on appreciated how he processed things and the way in which, let's say, black consciousness would have spoken and shaped how he believed. But um, but I can say that my my grandmother um, really made it come alive for me. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's it's really and particularly talking about the importance of. <laughs> um, uh, family and formation of children and um, uh, to, yeah. to hear uh, both the gifts of your dad. Um, and, and very rarely we talk about or we're given permission to talk about the, the gifts of the doubts of our parents as well and mm, um, mm. Uh, the, the pushback and uh, what is it to actually tie to ourselves yeah. the wrestle of scripture, um, uh, not yeah. just our, our favourite <laughs> Yeah. life verses or, or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Drew? Yeah. No, um, well, should, do you want to go to the passage? Yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we would love for you to um, just walk us through and 
help us understand um, the passage that you've chosen um, from Deuteronomy. You want to um, share with us um, what you see that is liberative and has the potential to turn this world upside down. I'll go first. I went first last time, but if you guys want me to go first, I'll go first again. Uh, after hearing y'all's story, I'm like, why don't you guys just keep talking? I don't have much to say. <laughs> y'all so, so much more interesting. Giving us time to think. Okay, I'll be the filler. Uh, this is I'll, this is actually just a conspiracy to trick our American friends into like hearing your voices and inviting you onto their podcast. So this is all an elaborate ruse. Yeah. So okay, I know what I am. I know my role. I okay. I'll say it very briefly then. Um, <laughs> I, I, I see my point. I got it. I got it. Uh, okay. So this text, the Shema, I, I, mm-hmm. I think what it, it's trying to do is trying to, it's trying to tie us to something beyond the reality that we're in. And as mm-hmm. I, as I think about a parent, especially in light of like all the fear, all the anxiety, uh, some yeah. of it is unrealistic and some of it is very real uh, that yeah. like our, our world is feeling right now. I mean, this is a terrifying um, thing that people are, COVID-19 is being like the, the thing that people are comparing it to is what the, uh, the Spanish flu of 1918 in which a quarter of the world's population uh, were impacted and what, 25 to 50 million people died from it. And we're looking yeah. at a time now where our entire world has kind of come to a halt based on, I guess kind of the theory is that someone in Wuhan had something that was contaminated by a bat, but like he had one person, patient zero. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like the other side of the world. I guess we're kind of all over the world in this conversation, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden that can bring everything to a halt in my day-to-day existence. And mm-hmm. like we're reminded of, wow, just how small we are, just how inept we are at being the masters of our own universe, just how mm-hmm. uh, fragile we are. And the level of like dependence that we have become aware of right now has been true all along. Like none of that is new information, but this has been kind of a wake up and uh, a realization that this, that we know right now to be true has been true just as much as it's been true when we were comfortable and we had the groceries and the toilet paper and the, the entertainment that we wanted. <laughs> Remember toilet true. paper? Yeah, that was that was a, a great that was thing. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. There's a lot of jokes there, but it's not my podcast, so I'll keep them to myself. <laughs> but what I think, like when I think of this text is the idea of y- you teach your kids these things when you're at home or when you're walking on the road, when, when you're getting up and when you're going down. And I hear that as kind of like this poetic description of the entirety of one's existence. Yeah. And it's easy in the good times to say, God is good. God is with you. God is faithful. But in times like this, when we're, we're afraid, like what is this going to do for grandma and grandpa? What is this going to do mm-hmm. for, for things that are seeming like shallow? Like, you know, my kids have sports, like gymnastics and cheerleading and mm-hmm. dance. All of a sudden it's just gone. And their school, just gone. And their friends are like, they're there. But like in terms of their day-to-day existence, like they're not there anymore. And yeah. what we're trying to do is we want to be connected with every bit of our existence, our, our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're going to give the, the extra one that Jesus gives into for this, uh, for this conversation. But mind, yeah. e- every, every bit of that is going to be connected to Jesus, even and God, mm. even in the dark times. Yeah, it's great, Luke. That's so good. I mean, I think for me as well, I, I love that Luke jumped to the idea of connectedness. I think it's been a theme that um, has been running in our minds for a while that um, firstly, feeling such a sense of, of surprise and overwhelm at how it feels like 
um, since the beginning. Well, let me. I don't think it, it began at the beginning of this year, but we, we've been we've been thinking about um, how do we pursue liturgies that, where all of our lives, all of the streams of our life, are flowing to the central point, which is Jesus, and learning how to abide with Him best, right? Abiding so that we can we can um, bear fruit and fruit that is good it's good it's just work it's just living and it's mm. it's life that exhibits the goodness of god um and so that sense of connectedness of every aspect of our lives um agreeing and being in correlation such that our children won't feel this sense of um being jarred like there's a place you know i mean it's not that we're, we're perfect we're not perfect people but i get a sense that um that connectedness for us is one thing that the Lord has been really helping and leading us towards more and more in the last, in this last couple of, um, last couple of months, I'd say up to a year, really, we've been pursuing that. So I love that you jumped and you touched on that, on the importance mm. of being connected, connecting all the areas of life for them. I'm very aware, like talking um, COVID-19 that uh, as Luke neatly summarize that none of this is abstract at the moment. Absolutely. And I'm not sure what it's been like in South Africa, but in Australia, I am very aware that as my kids uh, get up and uh, go down, that there's a whole bunch of stuff that um, is wanting to be tied onto them at the moment. Um, things that are written um, uh, on people's door frames that are less liberative mm. than um, the Exodus journey and the new Exodus in Christ. Instead, uh, they are pretty oppressive. Um, and the confusion between, uh, you know, false prophets, um, offering it cheap answers and quick fixes and, uh, magical solutions, um, instead of something which is a, a, a wise and, um, faithful gospel response. How are you navigating with your kids all the other kind of things that are seeking to disciple them in this moment? We just lock them down, switch off the TV, and we make sure that they're <laughs> yeah. listening to us. <laughs> Here, kids, listen to Inverse Podcast. And once you're done, yeah. Newsworthy <laughs> with Northworthy. Yeah. <laughs> so let me follow. Let me, <laughs> let me let me follow with what's been said uh, from a different angle. The link between identity and memory. Mm. Um, mm. That I'm I'm very aware that our uh, identity uh, is encoded in 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 memory, and uh, I, I I for us the Christ, in the Christian story when we ask the question, who am I? It's very linked to the question, whose am I? And mm. it's my desire that uh, as they've been asking that question from a very young age, who am I, who are we? And they continue to ask that question from, from, uh, from which flows many other questions. What is my place in the world? What, is I, what, what am I meant to do? Uh, that that they understand this, um, and that's why you know what, what Lissandro is saying is has become so important for us that we really give them uh, and put it within 
their memory, uh, if you like, firmly in place that mm. God would be so plentiful mm. in that in their story when they when they remember us as a family, us going out uh, when they when they remember our lounge or their yeah. playroom, and that's why if you see our house, we've got all sorts of uh, things that Lusanda has uh, has has put some some artwork uh, some scriptures written so there's a uh, the word uh so scripture of john one one right now um but but uh but yeah but the the even the the our routines it's there within our routines but we just want them to have the the, the memory of us as a family as a people even in their spaces that there is a who's are we who do we belong wow. to that's yeah. important in answering the question of uh, who who am I, and when we when we read books, uh, I try and 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 uh, make sure that they choose the books sometimes um, that they they like, and we try and see how I can st- we can study them, and uh, even they uh, reveal uh, God uh, God's invitation to them uh, mm. to to label them to define who they are. So even, you know, <laughs> we, we, were jo- we were playing around the other day, but we, we really, really enjoyed going through, you know, Goldilocks and the three little bears, uh, the three bears, sorry, Goldilocks and the three bears and, and looking at some of the concepts there um, <laughs> and asking them about right and, and, and wrong and, and trying to understand where they're coming from and where, who defines that for us. Uh, you know who? Uh, how can how would you, uh, how do we justify our moral framework? Of course, putting it in the language they understand, but that led to questions of what is God like? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we and our kids, you know, explore that, and we explore that with them that journey. So, the idea that we want to make God plentiful through our everyday liturgies, as the Scripture is saying, uh, in their memory so that the question of identity is not just who am I, but whose am I? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah. And, yeah. And I, and I guess, yeah, maybe in the next uh, bit, we, we can just, I mean, I, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm all over the place. I think because of, of this idea of identity and memory, then when it comes to just thinking about this virus uh, COVID, and now and processing crisis and uncontrollable sickness, fear, the threat of discomfort and displacement. Mm. Um, that kind this thing that Mathias has explained, it feels like it becomes um, a, a good base and a starting point for those conversations because they're asking, um, is it going to make us sick? Um, is, are they going to take this away, mama? Uh, when can we go out? No, we can't go out, my baby. Yeah. We, we have to stay. Um, we have to stay together for now just so that they can, they can control it. So all of the things that, you know, that are also exposing our uncertainties, we, you know, this basket of identity and memory within the scripture kind of helps us know where to be brittle and where to remain fragile. And, um, hmm. I don't that's know. Good. You know what I mean? That's good. So, mm. yeah, that's really good. One of the things that we're, we're trying to teach our kids, um, you know, during this is that we don't just think about ourselves. And uh, I, I know it's hard for those who don't uh, know Americans, but sometimes Americans can be a little bit narcissistic 
and no, it's hard to imagine. I, I mean, we we would never say that of Americans. Yeah, I know, like. I know, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe places outside of Texas where people have big egos, but in Texas, even as simple as making a decision this is early on before we now are told we can't go anywhere except for work and food uh but like telling one of my daughters hey we're not gonna go easter right i'm kidding sorry let's move on (laughs) don't tempt me this is more than i can stand uh but uh we made a decision hey we're not gonna you know take you to gymnastics practice even though you know gymnastics is still going on your teammates are going to be there because we think it's not the best thing for everyone and mm. we want this to be a reminder that we don't just make decisions just about ourselves, but we do it for others. And uh, yeah. my, my wife's a NICU nurse. And so hospitals these days are just, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Everyone who has the access to news knows that. Can, um, can somebody with the gift of interpretation tell me what a NICU nurse is? Oh, hopefully you won't know about this. It is a neonatal ICU nurse. So this is like oh, critical okay. care for babies. So if... Cool. So NICU, if ca- oh, okay, got it. Yeah. So if Kat would have, <laughs> I'm glad somebody else is going, what? <laughs> you guys don't speak American? Come on. Drew, you know what a Nikki was, right? I knew what you were talking about. Thank you. Thank you, my American friend. The, uh, <laughs> anyway, so she's working with these, like, the, the sickest babies. And so she works at Children's Hospital. And, like, there's, like, so much anxiety and fear. But we, we, I, my, my wife, by her very practices, are teaching my daughters, like, this is how I want to invest my life. I want – I. Yeah. I want to be in here helping people, even though this is not the safest place to be because this is where you're most likely to catch this because mm. that's where people go when they're sick. But that's what yeah. she wants to model. It's like, it's not just about me. I was thinking when, um, earlier when you guys were talking about identity and um, belonging, it reminded me of um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's poem from prison, his prison letters, mm. where he has a poem um, called, Who Am I? Mm-hmm. And he wrestles at the end and he says, um, he's wrestling with who he is in, in the context of um, the uncertainty of that moment. And he says, who am I? They mock me these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. Right. And so he ends mm-hmm. with um, rooting, uh, separate from his own confusion around just the kind of inconsistency of how he presents himself. He He, mm-hmm. he grounds himself in the knowledge of, um, being gods and so um, I do think that's really powerful and important to yeah you know I, I was thinking I guess in relationship to all of that like for my family um, for my children one thing that I've been aware of is that we pretty much are narrating this moment for them you know um, they're not watching we're not putting the news on for them so everything comes through us kind of filtering and discussing it with them and asking them questions. And, and so, you know, I don't, I mean, I think there's some questions periodically that my kids have in terms of, you know, who's going to get impacted by all of this, but for the most part, it's, you know, them hearing me, my wife, you know, brainstorm some of our neighbors who are elderly, who mm. we should, you know, go get groceries for, and th- you know, like, mm-hmm. um, like that's their moment is being grounded by our experience. Um, and it kind of reminded me just how important um, that is, right? That, um, that our own walk is, is, is shaping and defining. And so as we, 
continue to do Bible stories um, at in the evening before they go to bed and as we pray together and what we pray about and how we pray, all of that um, is grounding their own sense of identity and belonging, um, both in the church, um, mm. in our community and before God. That's good. Yeah, that's beautiful, Drew. Yeah, that's well, beautiful, Drew. We had this uh, amazing moment um, two days ago when friends uh, brought round all this toilet paper. Like um, uh, they, they went to uh, one of those big places that sells everything big um, mm. <laughs> to which all the Americans said, amen. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, it's called a store. <laughs> you know, so just to that point, before you go on, I remember when I went to um, Kenya and the locals, they were so excited to show us this huge store. And so they took us and it was like the size of like what we would call a 7-Eleven. And we felt so bad because it was like tiny compared to what we were used to, but, but they were making a big deal about it. And so... We're, yep. we're, I, I feel like that when I go to America, but yes, like, yes. so they brought, uh, so it yes. wasn't just a, a pack of toilet paper, but it was a, um, it was a pack of packs, like, mm, um, the super, like, yeah, the super pack, yeah, like it, it lasts you for a quarter of a seat six, of a year, six or eight, um, uh, packs with, with, within it. And, um, the, the boys knew that it wasn't for us. Right. Um, uh, these people had heard, um, so we're doing this, so Kat and I have been thinking how, and we talked about this, uh, with our episode with, with Kelly, but, um, we've tried to take to prayer, um, this moment and go, how do we give our kids, um, beautiful little experiments in the cheekiness of holiness that is about others. And, um, uh, one of those things is we've been tithing one role of toilet paper in a pack unto the Lord, (laughs) Um, make this role holy unto the Lord. And with that role, um, then to do knock and runs on people's homes um, uh, that we know um, or have an idea that they're in need um, with a little note that our boys um, write on it. um, uh, We're praying for you. um, if you need this, here it is. If you know somebody who might need it, please pass it on. Um, and j- just little tiny ways to go, we're not going to be a house that's named by fear. We're not going to be a house that closes in on itself and says us versus the world, but us for others, us for our neighbourhood. How, how do we actually, in this time where people are distancing, make sure we, we don't isolate even if we're in solitude as a family? Um, how do we actually reach out? How, how do we love our neighbours? And people heard that um, we'd started doing this with our boys and so they brought around all this toilet paper and like, you know what to do with it. You know how to bless others. And um, yeah. I, I loved what Makutsi was saying about um, who we are as people and that question of could our kids tell about their childhood and not mention God? Um, or is it just so weave through who we are, what we do, um, uh, how we respond, that um, inevitably the name of Jesus is just going to roll off their lips as they talk about their childhood, that, um, that there is a Jesus-iness um, to the to way we're responding at the moment instead of the, the fear and the, uh, you know, paranoia, superstition, like 
all that kind of stuff that's also occupying people's minds at this moment. Mm, yeah. Lysander so, and Makazi, are, are uh, there uh, yeah. particular um, uh, practices that have been helpful for you as a family at this time? Yes, I think, um, uh, yeah, there, there's, there, there are quite a few, but I think the, the vision uh, behind maybe the, the answer to, to the question for us, it also comes from the work uh, that we do. I speak uh, to quite a few people who uh, have a lot of questions, uh, reservations, doubts, and some of them would say, you know, I'm walking away from the church or from the faith. And I have lots of conversations with people like that and uh, young people. And and it seems as though there's quite a large group within there that would say that at some stage they failed to connect um, the Christian story to some issue that was really important in their world. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Christianity just doesn't seem to address this. Uh, even now, you know, in fact, I you know, came from... Uh, recording uh, an interview and answering just questions about COVID-19 and, and uh, Christian res- various Christian responses and young people just frankly saying, look, uh, there are these responses that just concern me because they seem to be uh, to disconnect uh, the faith that I grew up loving uh, and uh, with my current experience and my genuine care and concern. So in other words, they... Oh, was this with Phil? That's right, yes. That's Pastor right. Phil, yeah, yeah, from Hillsong, South Africa. <laughs> That's right, yeah, and 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 I just I just uh, one of the things we want to do is teach our kids uh, about just how the Christian story really explains uh, the world uh, internally mm. and externally, uh, how it can account, for instance, for the existence of uh, brokenness in the world. That when they find brokenness, they're not surprised or feel lied to. Um, yeah. yeah, wow. That, that they, 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 they know its context. They know that because of the suffering of, of, of Jesus, suffering in this world has an expiry date, that there is a source of hope oh. and comfort even as they endure yeah. uh, the brokenness with God, as they yeah. follow God, uh, doing God's work. So we try and frame for them also what is God doing in his world currently mm. Um and so, so, you know, very like one of the, one of those rituals you talk about practice. Uh, so we pray uh, every night with them, and we try and teach them, um, you know, uh, to to follow a particular pattern. And we keep adding. So initially, for them, I just said, just say, dear God, and just say one thing that you're grateful for, and one thing that you're asking God for. Then we keep adding. Okay, now let's mm-hmm. teach you the language of praise, uh, which teaches you. Uh, the different attributes of God, but then there's something called sing pray that they have, which is basically just you're singing to God, but anything that's on your heart. And that's where we as mm. parents get to listen in about some of the things that they're wrestling with, uh, because they, some of them, sometimes they won't tell us directly, but if you say sing pray for me and I want to listen, they wow. really, really enjoy that. Yeah. It was actually mm. they who started, yeah. they, they started that practice, but we get to hear all sorts of things during that time. <laughs> Which gives us a window uh, 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 into how we can better explain things. And so, for instance, Amani the other day sang, coronavirus is, is, is in my heart and it's going to uh, kill me and I'm really oh. afraid hmm. and so forth. And, and so and then we remind gonna, us of her age. So she's four. 
Yeah, wow. She's four years old. Um, and so that gave us a window. And we, we, we try not to police it. Uh, uh, so just listen mm-hmm. at the time and yeah. just let, let, let her heart flow. Yeah. And so it's one of the practices that we have is, is how can we create an environment where they feel like they are really in a safe space in the presence of God and in our presence as well, where they can open up their heart. And then from there, we then uh, learn quite a lot about who they are and how, some of the things they're wrestling with and how we can then uh, shape them uh, accordingly or speak into those things, uh, minister to them as well. So that's what would be one, one practice mm-hmm. is, our, is, our, is our nightly prayer times. That's become so precious uh, in, in mm. our home. Mm. I love yeah. that. Great. Yeah. And, and one of the things I love in particular about that is not merely um, uh, you paying attention to, to practices for your kids, but paying attention to your kids. And like, mm. just to say that like, even the word Shema, um, it isn't merely like listen, uh, but caught up in it is maybe the very poor English yeah. translation might be obey, um, but it's actually attention. It's uh, mm. what it is to be attentive, to, to listen, um, uh, to, to give all of ourselves um, in, in the moment in such a way that we're caught up in what is being said by God. Yeah. And you're paying attention and you're listening in such a way that you're hearing what's going on in the souls of your children um, and actually making that a practice that, yeah, that's beautiful. Let's run with that. That's something our family does. That's something that yeah. I love that. That's, that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wow. You made us sound so great. <laughs> 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 I wish you could have seen me at like at 545. Yeah. I was about to say, I was about to say, look, uh, I, I guess, I guess, um, <laughs> We, 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 we've, we've got, we've got some, some good moments and, and some challenging ones. And, and, and today, for instance, I, I had to say to, to my wife, cause I, I was afraid that she was going to, to murder our children. Give them away to a, to right. a willing I'm sorry. stranger. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I, I, I said, you know, I, said, I just generally said, well, why don't you go take a shower? Are we just going to get all ready for bedtime? And, uh, and uh, Lysander came back because we, we usually lean on onto a strength as well in terms of those moments of creativity and the way she brings them out. But sometimes after a long day, they, yeah, she just said, I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and so that partnership is actually um, so useful for us. It serves us in our household. Yeah. Sorry, Luke, were you going to say something? No, no, no. I was just listening. I think they, uh, they said it so well. There, a lot of the practices that they described are, um, or, or at least a practice of gratitude is something that's you know, deeply central to what we do uh, with our kids. And, you know, it's easy when they're, you know, four or five to say, what are you thankful for today? Or, or a high-low game. I mean, it's an easy way to kind of access that practice. And as they get older, to kind of give more Christian language to it, to make it... Yeah. Uh, you know, more robust, but I think it's, um, so, you know, 11 to six is our, our spectrum at this age and or with our kids at this age. And, uh, so it, it looks different for each of them, but it's the same idea. Of, mm-hmm. We want you to learn to, to see where God was. I think there, it's an Ignatius practice yeah. that yeah, it's yeah. easier to see where God was and where God is. And so the more that you cultivate the practice of looking back to see where God was, it forms you into being the kind of person who's aware of where God is right now. And, 
so that's one of the practices that we do. And obviously the thing about practices is you do them day in and day out, week in and week out. And that's where you get the formation from it. And yeah. in seasons like this, where it'd be like, Oh, I'm upset because we're inconvenienced in this way. And we're scared about this to, to give up those practices. But it's in those moments that even more so do you need to double down and say, no, these are the kind of people that we're going to be. So we're going to continue to do these things, even if it is seemingly out of season for what we're going through, but like doing those mm-hmm. in season and out seasons where that happens. And yeah. I, I also like y'all's comment about how, as parents, sometimes we want to just like get rid of our kids or whatever. Like we're, we're expressing the frustration that being a parent right. is, it is a huge beat down sometimes. I mean, it is the best thing that's ever, ever happened to me. It is without a doubt the clearest way that I've ever seen what love is. The way that my mm-hmm. wife loves our kids and the way that my kids express love to me. I have seen God's love in ways I've never seen it before. But also those kids drive me crazy sometimes. And to be able to, be able to name like the, you know, the, the duality of parenting is like, it's the greatest of joy. And it's the greatest of struggle. And I think there's something where I want to model for my kids, what my father-in-law modeled for my wife. And my wife still talks about times that her dad has come and apologized to her when she was a kid, you know, 25, 30 years ago, where mm-hmm. that meant so much to her. And I want to be able to mm-hmm. do the same thing of go, yeah, I kind of, I kind of dropped the ball on that one. And it's not who I want to be. And as they get older, I'll give them more mm-hmm. robust theological language for that. But right now I'll just say, yeah, I, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. But as they get older, I would want to acknowledge like there's the kingdom of God that has the best for me and God's intentions for me. And there are times that I'm more aligned to the kingdom of myself. And you know, we'll get more language to that as they get older. But mm-hmm. right now it's, I, I just want to model the practice of, yeah, let's, let's name the full human experience, which is I can be anxious, but not given to fear. I can be fallible, yeah. but I cannot let that define me. Like all, all those things are part of the human experience. I think God is in all of those. Yeah. Yeah, that is so powerful. Hmm. That is so powerful. It's been interesting for um, our family. Um, and I, it's interesting even as I, I, I always just love hearing what other parents do because I'm always like, oh, that's good. Because I think I'm always, <laughs> um, I just, it's experimenting and growing and adding to what mm. I do. So I just love hearing other stories of, of how um, families are journeying together. Um, one of the things, I mean, we've done the one we always in the evening um, before they go to bed, um, read um, scripture together, stories. Yeah, and I've been doing better in the last few months in terms of asking good questions that invite them to enter into the story and kind of envision and feel it and then kind of tell you know, and think about that's their good. own experiences. And so that's been really mm-hmm. neat. And then to then think about always um, more so thinking also about how do we live it, right? What kind of action can we think of that relates to mm-hmm. it just for their own minds? So, so that's a good practice that we've kind of been um, doing in the last couple of months that it kind of, I think, I think it has enriched their um, the mm-hmm. Bible story time that's together. That's um, great. And then um, I always, um, sing to them um so especially usually it's like black church songs and spirituals and things like that um so that's just um kind of deeply woven into their kind of being and that's one of the that's usually the last thing i do before i pray for them and you know Mm. tell them i love them and give go-to songs give your favorite ones um so i started off (coughs) the very first one was we've come this far by faith so i used Mm. to always sing that um but I do a lot. I mean, I do all kinds of stuff now. Um, mm. 
give me Jesus, we shall overcome, um, mm. we shall not be moved. Um, I do the one I do, I do it more for the baby than the older ones, but I sing, um, Oh, freedom, which mm. is an interesting one because I know he can't understand it, but it's no <laughs> oh, freedom, oh, freedom, freedom over me. Before I'll be mm. a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and be free, which I don't know. Mm. I, I feel I'd have to unpack that more with my older kids, <laughs> but I, for whatever reason, with my three year olds, <laughs> um, I sing that quite a bit with him. Oh, wow. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of them. There's a, there's a rotation of songs that they just know now because I've just sung since, honestly, since they were infants, that was something. I was probably the first regular habit that I created was putting them down. I would sing to them. Yeah. Isn't it great when they start to know the words? Yeah. yeah. My six-year-old's like, oh, I know the words to come thou found. I'm like, where'd that come from? Like she's singing. I hear I raise yeah. my Ebenezer. Yeah. I'm like, how did you know that? I mean, because <laughs> like you, I have that as my, like a practice. I have a couple songs that I sing. Yeah. Jared, I don't know if you do that, but I assume if you would, it would have to be like Hillsong because you're from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess for you, Luke, uh, you'd have to do it in four-part harmony. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. yeah. You're like, there's only two of us in the room. We can't sing. <laughs> we can't sing. <laughs> I record tracks and I just play them. That's right. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, <laughs> I think... I think that's so profound because it, it goes back to that point around um, how do we narrate our kids' lives in such ways that um, w- what stories do they pull these events into to give it a sense of continuity? And I'm even aware, even in terms of Deuteronomy 6, that um, uh, this only comes after the Exodus. Yeah. And if we forget that um, uh, the, the law comes after freedom, freedom we run in right. danger of losing that freedom is central to God's good gift mm. of, of that we're to hear. And um, what these songs do, um, uh, uh, what reading scripture does is invite our children, like, and it's almost the importance of allowing scripture to breathe. Mm. Yeah. Um, Padre Gautama had that, great line in um, his interview uh, on an earlier episode where he was talking about um, uh, questions that people would ask about scripture. And it was like, Jesus set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. And then the question was, where did Jesus set his face like flint towards? And <laughs> Jerusalem. <laughs> and that's, that's it, right? Like, so that, that's the answer. Um, and that kind of Bible teaching, uh, I mean, I guess it has a place but if our kids aren't allowing the songs to be songs that actually call out what's happening in their heart, like yeah. four-year-olds talking about the COVID virus, yeah, like and it killing them, um, if prayer is not the place, if worship's not the place for those things to yeah. actually come out, um, the danger is that it comes out in ways like we've seen in adults. Australia's wonderful contribution to this moment in history was a rush on toilet paper that went global because of social media. Thanks, Australia. Um, Yeah, it's... What's it calling out of us? What's this moment calling out of us? And can can we actually be storied in ways that we remember where we're going in terms of the promised Mm -hmm. land and what we've come out of and God's faithfulness in the past? Yeah, that's very good. Good. That's very good. And I, and I think and I think um it's it's something that 
we realized is coming alive in our kids um, in the last uh, f- uh, four or five months um, is that they are starting to develop, the, my two older ones, the five, the five and the four-year-old, um, they're starting to develop a very like um, noticeable consciousness spiritually. And mm. it's something that is so remarkable to behold because first, you know, it is exactly that where you, you read them stuff and everything you, you know, they remember things as, as facts and icons and not, and not really things, you know, mm-hmm. like um, that mm-hmm. really bear meaning. And now when they, when we start seeing them connect the dots um, and they still, and I mean, these are early days. It's just the most remarkable thing, I guess, because I've always taken for granted that, oh, well, you know, spirituality develops and formation happens, but I know that I, I can never really quite place the mark on the time that things exactly happen. Now you watch it with your own child. It's like, wow, this is so fascinating. And, um, and I think my, the prayer in my heart is that um, I really pray and I'm, I'm pleading with the Lord and um, obviously it's great to have accountability here at home through my husband um, that we could, we could have that kind of authenticity in our own faith mm. that will allow our children to see that, um, that this thing is, a, is an ongoing journey of getting it and not getting it. Um, you know, having consistency in how you practice the songs that you hear and mm-hmm. letting them really be meaningful and authentic things as opposed to just facts that you remember, you know, and I'm like, Lord, I I want my own spirituality to be like that so that they can see that, no, this thing is attainable. Um, And mom is not perfect, but she's pursuing a person Uh, because that's, I think that's another thing that's humble for me. That's, that's humbling for me because the, you know, the mom they experience at six o'clock is literally, you must ask my son. I'm saying epic things like I open my children's door. I've had my quiet time. I'm glowing guys. <laughs> you know, the very best of with with unveiled faces. Yeah. I've, I've unveiled faces and I feel like, Lord, I am ready for them. I've had my coffee. I've exercised. <laughs> I've had my quiet time. I feel great. I open the door and I said, girls, I welcome you to my love today. And I've, I've, <laughs> I've I, you know, and That's I make great. all these declarations so that they can feel the atmosphere. But at like 5.45, <laughs> that mom, they're like, <laughs> it has a name, they call it Angry Mom. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And I look at myself when they sleep and I'm like, Lord, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened? And even as you were talking, Luke, I'm like, Wow, I, I need to go apologize to my children tomorrow morning because <laughs> today was wrong. So I love that, that there's a sense of actually, I don't want them to, to think that it's always neat, but also I want them to know that when it's been untidy, it can repent and it can mm. be put back together and, um, and it's being held in its imperfection. So I love that story so much, Luke. Oh, that's that's right. mm. Yeah, I think every one of us has our own version of 6 a.m. parent versus 6 p.m. parent. Every right. one of us. <laughs> <Yeah. that>. right. <laughs> right. Right. But your kids have the 6 a.m. version of them and the 6 p.m. version oh, of yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you, yeah. we're helping to narrate yeah. that story of, okay, this is part okay. of the human experience that God is in the midst of. God is with us yeah. in this. And yeah. this isn't the end all be all. Like we all have Absolutely. low moments and we have high moments and we are not... Mm 
the best of one or the worst of it. We are the totality of our existence. And most of all, the the totality of our existence is found in the person of Jesus. That's where our identity is. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Particularly powerful when um, we we had days. So I'm not sure um, in your context, whether it's all locked down or not, but uh, our kids are out of school and um, the only people we've seen in quite some time uh, have been via a screen or um, friends showing up and uh, standing metres away on the other side of our driveway and (laughs) sitting down in the driveway and having conversations that definitely our neighbours can hear. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that adds to the stress, right? And out of the four of us um, in our home, three of us were in tears, Um, uh, one of us being an adult, namely me today. So it's, it's like those realities as well, that we have these beautiful moments there and they really are like, like, uh, we have a friend, um, on a different continent, uh, who, um, uh, has AIDS and, uh, the reality of their situation and the boys lifting them up in prayer and that the boys have decided that they're going to give, um, some of their birthday money and Christmas money to this mm. friend um, uh, to release some of the stress. That happened today. Yeah. And at the same time, the reality of like us all being in the same place and uh, yeah. missing each other on our, like what we need. And that also happened today. Um, so as yeah. people yeah. are bumping up against those that they love so much, and often it's because the love is so deep that um, <laughs> things are so tense, what does it look like for for you lot um you all as they say in texas you're welcome luke all things to all people thank you um (laughs) thank you mate uh, (laughs) 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 um, i just feel like saying magpie that's right (laughs) magpie um what what does the what are these how how do we do conflict um, as families when um, uh, you know how do we take this from high ideals to the practicalities of listening, hearing, um, and being caught up in what God is saying? Not all at once. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Can you can you ask that question again, Jared? So sorry. How do we? Yeah, do I guess how- in the context of the conflict, um, mm. what does it look like to to actually shema? Um, to listen, to hear, um, and get caught up in what God is actually saying. It, it seems like there is almost like this a spirit of like Kova that like the powers and principalities have used this. Like it is a spirit of fear, of individualism, of isolation, yeah. of us against them, whoever mm-hmm. them is. It, it changes, depends on where you're from, I guess. But like mm-hmm. there is a spirit. <laughs> what time that, of day it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. And mm-hmm. I, I think what this practice is, like we continue to have to be regrounded in this idea of this is who I am. I love the idea of like, this is who my identity is. My identity is mm-hmm. whose I am. And yeah. I think we just have to like to cycle back to this. It, it's um, when I was in college, I was a walk on on our college track team. And so I was not good enough to be on this track team by any means. And like one of my first days in the weight room, so track is a season that uh, a sport that happens at the spring. And so it was the fall, you get to school and 
it's out of season. And so one day it's a Friday, I'm in the weight room and there's a guy who's a senior, his name's Jason Prane. He was a uh, multiple time national champion, all American division two, just absolute stud. And he walks over to me, it's Friday. And he goes, Hey, look around the, the weight room, the field house. And uh, I look around and go, yeah, yeah. What, what am I looking at? It's basically empty. No one's here. And he goes, yes, but this is the difference between being a national champion and being an all American. If you want to be a national champion, you're here on Fridays. You just want to be an All-American, you don't come in. Now, one thing he was missing is that you also have to have speed and talent, neither of which I had, which is why I wasn't an All-American or, of course, a national champion. But his point was this, like, it's like how, how you train out of season. Like, that's yeah. what makes a difference for when it really matters. And I think now we're, I don't know how to say it, like, we're kind of out of season. Like, this is not the prime time for anyone. No one's living their best life when you're in seclusion. <laughs> it's not the best version. Yeah. I I left my good. house from Wednesday night until That's now so one time, and that was to go record my sermon at our church Sunday morning in an empty room, basically to, to nine other people. Like, this is not the best version of who I am. I know that. <laughs> it is not good for this man to be alone. It's in the Bible. I believe it to be true. <laughs> but I can still do my part. And it's... Yeah. I'm not as productive. I'm not as responsible. I don't get as much done, but I can still see this is, this is a place that I'm going to give up to God and, and remind myself this is where my identity is. And I want to model that for my kids so that they can do some version of that uh, with me as we're, we're each trying to like live into this. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. It's interesting on the flip side of what you were saying, Luke is it's on the flip side of it is that it's precisely in moments of crisis also that, our faith matters if it doesn't matter, yeah. right? Also in the crisis, right? And so yeah. um, the flip side of that, yeah, is how do um, our kids recognize that it's at these moments that um, if it doesn't get expressed of our faith and our walk with God and our encounter in the presence of Jesus doesn't show up now in some ways, yeah. it's meaningless, so yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I must say, maybe it's because of the age of my uh, children. Um, they don't. They don't seem to live too much outside of the moment as well. Yeah. Mm. And 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 uh, in a way that's refreshing. Uh, some in a way that presents a challenge. What I mean by that is that during this time, they 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 definitely notice that there is some. Some, there's a change in the world, like like uh, Lissando was saying that they aren't able to go out uh, like they like we usually do, and we're not seeing the people that we normally see uh, and their favorite places. Uh, we're not going there and so forth. However, they seem to adapt incredibly well uh, to 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 be alive and to 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 participate in the moment in new ways. That it almost seemed, and I haven't heard one of them say, "I miss this" or "I miss that." It's, it's uh, they've invented new games, for instance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and 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 that that's a, that's the refreshing part is that they live in the in the now, mm-hmm. and so it always challenges us to say, "How do we? What does flourishing mean uh, in the in 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 this particular time yeah. uh, in our duty?" our invitation, our freedom to love God with everything and then to, to love our neighbor. In a sense, the things that are unchanging is just that they change in the way those are expressed, in the way that they are expressed. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I, w- I want them to be aware, for instance, that there, there are 
new ways that we need to always be adapting in yeah. in how do we live our faith uh, outwards uh, and when they see us here it's not that we are not doing stuff so one of the things that we I try to to talk to them about are some of the things that we are doing uh, like 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 you Jared just to 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 um, respond or to be part of the of the solution uh, sourcing hand sanitizer uh, thermometers, but trying to to, mm. to resource hospitals at this stage so that they can have a, a increased capacity by partnering with other people mm. during this time. So I tell them about that stuff to say, this is what loving your neighbor means right now. Uh, so for some people, it's, it's it's being you know in isolation. For some people, it's doing a little bit more, uh, and this is how we are being generous and. And I, I find that it's a challenge because because of their age and their ability to live in the moment, it takes a bit. It takes longer for the, for it to sink uh, when it's they're not seeing it, they're not a part of it, and so they. But they they do trust, and therefore they're able to at least yeah. have a, a sense of what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's massive. That's, that, that's huge. And I, sorry, just, go for it. It just seems like this is going to be one of those times that our kids are going to look back on and they don't realize it right now, but they're going to look back in this time as like one of those flashbulb memories of, Oh yeah. I remember when we were young and COVID-19 happened. And yeah. for me, it's like nine 11. I remember that moment. Uh, yeah. I, you can remember that where you were, yes. what happened that day. Uh, I don't know about y'all from outside of the States, but like, this is going to be one of those moments. For <laughs> I them. was in the States at the time. I remember very oh, clearly. That's right. You were in Nashville, yeah. weren't you? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, it, it, this is going to be one of those times for them. And I, I, I want to do my part for trying to create this to be something they look back on and go, yeah, this, uh, we did something unique that reflected our commitment to the way of Jesus in this time. Beautiful. Yeah. That's great. Luke. That's very good. That's so good. That's so good. And I, I think in particular, and hopefully, like, Drew and my heart behind Inverse is to help people read the scriptures in such ways that witness to the word of God, capital W, Jesus, like to, to actually read it in ways that do turn our world upside down, that do look like um, this coming kingdom of love and justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when there's Christians just saying the craziest stuff at the moment, like absolutely bat poo crazy, like I don't know how else to put it, like it's just bizarre um the importance of our kids seeing grounded wise good wholesome vision of what it is to live faith i think is more important than ever before um and i I thank you lot for your witnesses in in your household um uh this was fun for me to bring you all together um and yeah, uh, with each of you, we'd like to do it again in a, a number of different ways. Um, what you're bringing to this moment is really special. So thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Jared. I know everyone is up early in different times. We appreciate it. For those who aren't aware, like it was a 2 a.m. start for me for this conversation, but you lot are worth it. You are so committed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing to, Hope, to meet you Hopefully all. my my parenting won't <laughs> <laughs> take a hit tomorrow. <laughs> For the all-nighter that you've just <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. And it would be wonderful. Um, uh, Makasi, would you like to, to pray for our, our listeners at, at this time um, in light of what we've been discussing? No. Well, let you yes be yes and you no be no. That's very clear. (laughs) No, No, I I was speaking from the heart, but but I I I think it's impolite to refuse to pray. So (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I know you enough now to to just uh, to to be honest with you. I know Nisanda's laughing because. uh, I, 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 this is a one part where, where, where I struggle because sometimes I'm, I'm translating. And so I'm also very conscious when I'm praying out loud for people. Uh, and so it, it, it takes me a while to get to certain uh, places, but yes, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. What, well, can I ask you, you, can I, can I ask like, what is the, your first language that you're, you're translating from? I'm, oh, that's not an easy question. I'm translating from different languages. Yeah. Well, which uh, one? Which one, Luke? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so, serious. So, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so from Sutu, from uh, or Sepulani, it's a mixture of uh, Sepedi and Tsonga, and uh, but it also mixes other uh, words from other languages like Isizul or Saswati and so forth. So, yeah. there's quite a few. Uh, but also then, then, then there's the theological language. So there's social right. language mm. and theological language right. as well. So, so if you ask me to preach in those languages, I might, for instance, uh, struggle. But if you, ex- if, you, if you expect me to pray uh, freely, which is sort of uh, the social way of talking to God, then I struggle with the English of it. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, at our church, yeah. we've got um, probably... 70 or 80 people who are from uh, the Congo or R- Rwanda. And so mm. I've learned like w- one of my good friends, uh, Ramjan, he speaks m- like five or six different languages and Kirwanda and Swahili. And uh, the way that it, he just jumps back and forth from different languages is mind blowing. Like how brilliant you have to be to be able to do that. So I, I, mean, meza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was my yeah, podcast, yeah. I would let you pray in whatever language you want, but um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> who's the colonizer now yeah well i mean uh if it wasn't for the white american cutting me off i was about to say <laughs> you pray in the language of your heart McGlutzi, and um uh, we'll trust that interpretation will follow no no no, no. I'm, I'm 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 happy with with uh with uh, the limitations of the english language for this purpose <laughs> Let thank you pray. brother <laughs> Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you, God, for um, the gift of your word mm-hmm. that we could eat together yes. and uh, participate uh, in, uh, with, with, with you, um, mm-hmm. have fellowship with one another, mm-hmm. have fellowship with uh, the word. Lord, um, thank you that we can hear from you, that it is possible to know you, that it is possible, Lord, to know your heart uh, as, as it has been revealed, and that, God, it is also such a comfort to know that you, 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 don't, you didn't leave us in the mess of uh, this world, uh, but that you decided to get involved, that you, uh, in an intimate way, uh, got involved in your world. 
to make a way for us uh, to participate uh, in your redemptive work, but to participate in your economy, to participate in in your work. Lord, we 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 thank you that um, in our struggles, uh, in our difficulties, we can rely on the fact that we we have you. And Lord, uh, during this time, I pray for the gift of uh, peace, that peace that uh, that surpasses understanding. That does not come from a denialism of what's happening, but that knows more than just the pain, that knows more than the suffering, that knows God more than just what our eyes are telling us. Mm. Lord, that uh, we can have that peace, a gift of peace internally, but that we can also be the gift of peace to others, your gift of peace to others. Lord, teach us uh, what it means to be to be faithful during this time and to have a faithful response and lord for us uh, who are parents in different uh, situations um, i'm just reminded of my friend for instance who is uh, a a single dad um, mm. trying to navigate this uh, raising three children during this time and um, i pray Lord, for your grace, uh, for your wisdom. Uh, Lord, I pray for your uh, provision of, uh, of peace and, and joy and uh, creativity. And um, Lord, I pray for uh, just a generosity of uh, spirit from your people as well, mm. that uh, we may share resources uh, during this time. Um, materially and, and, and other, 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 otherwise. Uh, we are also reminded that for some people, the lockdown is a scary time where some people are going to be um, in lockdown or with uh, people who are oppressive and abusive. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's mm-hmm. not, a, it's not a, a fun time. It's a very scary mm-hmm. moment. And so God, uh, the defender of the, the weak and uh, the vulnerable, uh, we pray. Uh, that you would use us, Lord, who are in better positions, God, uh, to to be that gift of protection as well uh, for those people to lead us to have the right conversations, to uh, to to cast our eyes in the right places as well, to to be your hands and to be your feet, even during this time. God, we pray for those that are hurting. Uh, right now, the, those that are in pain, those who have so many questions, uh, those for whom their prayer life right now has been stunted uh, because they're just still shocked and stunned and uh, paralyzed by fear. Lord, we pray uh, that you would unlock um, and release them um, towards you, that you'd give them the gift of freedom, that they will hear during this time your invitation that God, you're sovereign, that you're in control, that even though we may not sometimes know your reasons for what you do uh, or for allowing the things that you allow, but that we can know that your goodness on the cross of Jesus Christ, Lord, Mm. has already been displayed. And so we can look there, that we can focus there and and it can unlock our hearts towards you, that we can Mm. embrace you when we need you the most. God, help us uh, to, to, to... 
make uh, you more known to uh, to our children yes. during this time. Uh, that when they look back during this time, that they the story of God, the claim of God, uh, the stamp of God, the seal of God would be on them. Uh, to 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 this uh, the would be on the memory of this time. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus, yes, Lord. we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. Thank you. Well, love you lot heaps. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. This is great. Thank Thanks for having so us. Thanks so much, guys. It's so nice to meet you, Luke. I was just about to say, I'm, I'm so glad you lot got to meet. Let, let's all hang out in person <laughs> when all this thing lifts. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. The Inverse Podcast is proudly supported by you, the listener. And if you want to join the revolutionaries who are helping us have conversations about how this ancient text can still turn the world upside down, why don't you head over to patreon.com slash inverse.